Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Morning, Tiger fans. We have a little bonus episode for you. Monday morning, Conrad Hitchler, Missouri great from the 1960-62 season, passed away. And uh, in 2014, had an opportunity to talk to Conrad Hitchler. And he spoke to me about those great Tiger years during the Dan Devine era. And with the passing of Conrad Hitchler, I thought maybe we'd share it with you so you could hear a little bit about those football days and relive some of Conrad Hitchler or Hitch's greatest moments. So the audio quality isn't the best, so I apologize for that. But I hope you enjoy it. Uh, It's a little bit of a bummer this week, but uh, we'll be back with our regular scheduled preview game coming up later in the week. So until then, enjoy the great Conrad Hitchler. This bugs for you, Mizzou. And there he goes. How about number six? You don't get no better than that, man. He's back in the game. Shane Ray. And look at what he just did. Touchdown, Missouri. This is the Mazzotcast. So I got the record on. Would you mind stating your name and the years that you played for Missouri for me, for my records? Uh, Conrad Hitchler, varsity, 1960, 61, 62. Uh, freshmen were eligible, but we had a freshman team, so I played freshman ball in 59. Okay, so you would you would have been a sophomore that uh, 60 season, right? Yes. Okay. Tell me what were your offense and defensive positions on the team? Defensive end, offensive tight end. Okay. Uh, we still three full plays at that time. So. Right, right, yeah. Do you know? Do you know how long that went on before four teams start started uh, doing specialized defense and offensive players? I, I never... think it was late sixties. I'm not certain, but it was the whole time I was playing. Yeah, I, I haven't hadn't thought to ask anybody that, but I knew that everybody went both directions during that era. So. I, there's, I, I kind of like that too. I mean, I, I guess today, you know, I might feel differently, but at that point, I got if we didn't have, if we didn't play defense, uh, I'd really never could have any honors at all because we didn't throw the ball. Right. <laughs> you play an end, you don't throw. You got to make yourself known somewhere, so that'd be on defense. Right. Right. Yeah. And uh, I know that team didn't give up very many points. It was a really strong defensive team. All the guys told me about the student body left, student body right sweep that that you ran, uh, and Ron Taylor blocked right after he. <laughs> he uh, <laughs> He's a blocking quarterback. Right. <laughs> I guess uh, there's a lot of information on the internet and stuff about the games themselves, as far as the scores and who you played and all that. But uh, I'm kind of curious about the just the more personal stuff, like uh, who who did you hang out with on a team? Who were your say your friends from that squad, or was it Jerry Wallach, Bill Tolman, Jim Johnson? Mm-hmm. Just about all. I'm not, not, not as close to the seniors, but uh, right. 
uh, it was, you know, everybody was, everybody was, you know, hanging out with each other. I mean, it was tight knit. That was, I was a fly delt, and so the fly delts, which was Jim Johnson and Bill Tobin, and I can't think who else, but uh, yeah, we hung out together a lot. Okay. The game that everybody talks about a lot is the Oklahoma game, where uh, I guess a couple of years before Dan Devine had promised the seniors that they were going to come back into Norman and win that game. And then after yes. after the game, uh, after the win, that put you all into first place in the in the country. And they talked about how uh, how the fire department, half of Columbia, came out to the airport to greet the team on its return. You remember that uh, that night very well. Oh yeah, yeah, very well. We we rolled back on a fire truck, mm-hmm. <laughs> hanging on to the ladders and so forth. Yeah, all the way back to the student union, and uh, and then they had. I don't know, almost everybody in the team would get up on the fire truck and made some kind of statement and talked to the fans and so forth. It was, uh, it was quite a night. Was it was it planned or was it just all impromptu? Oh, I, don't, I think it was all impromptu. I guess it had to be. It was so short notice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd ask, you know, throughout the season, the wind started piling up. You know, he played several uh, non-conference games and and road games and, and just won them all, and they're all close games, but... But I'd ask everybody, what point in that season do you think people started to realize, the guys on the team started to realize that it wasn't just a pretty good year, that it might have been something special, something, you know, a top 10 kind of team or a, one of the better teams in the country? You know, how, how far in did you all realize that you were pretty darn good? I said, you know, probably uh, three or four games. You know, we went back and played Penn State and beat them. Right. And that was our second or third game. So then we, you know, you know, we thought we had a pretty good team. Well, we thought so all along, but I mean, uh, started really thinking about it. I think after that. Yeah, let's see. You played SMU, Penn State, Air Force too, and that a, didn't you go to Colorado play Air Force as well? Yes, we played out uh, Colorado in that game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I still, you know, we fly DC threes. Right. We had a landing so line of Kansas, pretty fuel. And then we flew on in. <laughs> Ed Ed Blaine told me that you all flew a couple of DC threes, and he said they split up the starters in case one plane went down. and wouldn't take out everybody on the team. Yeah, you know, we flew, yeah, we flew two of them. <laughs> it was a nice trip going into uh, college. I think it's College Station. That's where Penn State is. Is it College Station? Yeah, that's or, right. Or, like that. Yeah, I got college. Uh, yeah, State College, I think. State, yeah, whatever it was. Uh, I mean, that was quite a trip in there. I mean, we were flying kind of low, and it's kind of hilly there. It's really nice scenery going in there. I think that was the second game in that stadium. Oh. Other than the first, but I think it was the second game in their new stadium where they play now, of course, in, in large quite a bit. But right. It's a beautiful country. I was going to ask you, how who recruited you to the squad, um, and where are you from? I'm from Kansas City. Okay. And uh, if you want my want a quick story, yeah. if you don't know this, and you might know it, I I only played um, one year of high school football. I <laughs> my sophomore year. I don't know if you know you know that part of this thing or not. I don't. I'd like to hear. Okay. Well, I I quit high school after my uh, after the tenth grade, as far as I got, like I said. So that's the only year of varsity I ever played. Mm-hmm. But I joined the Marine Corps. Okay. And. Uh, about a year and a half in the Marine Corps, I stationed in Hawaii, and I happened to see this bulletin board on one of the barracks that said tryout for uh, for the uh, Hawaii Marine football team. So I thought, well, what the hell? 
right. couldn't win your high school football. You know, I can make this team. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I tried out and and uh, and I made the team. And all the to me that most of the players on these teams at that time were all former college players. Uh-huh. I played with guys like Ron Beagle, if you know that name at all. He's all American at Notre Dame. Yeah. Uh, Jim Mora. I mean, it goes on and on. Little Schweitzer was playing for one of the Air Force bases. <laughs> we played some good football. Right. So I didn't. I ended up playing. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Three, three years of football in the Marine Corps, and... Uh, I was at Camp Lejeune the last year, two years of the Hawaii Marines and one year Camp Lejeune Marines. And we played for the, for the, uh, service, what amounted to the service Super Bowl. Best two teams in the, in the, in the service. You know, all, all four of them. I've got, we played Navy teams, Air Force teams, you know, on and on. And we put, we played for the championship in, uh, San Diego in 1958. So anyway, some of the, some of the officers were saying, man, you ought to, you ought to get your GED and, and, I'm sure you need a kind of college scholarship. So I took their advice and got my GED. And some of the officers were putting me in touch with different universities. Mm-hmm. And I ended up, for some reason, I had an offer from, from Southern Cal and, 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 you know, many schools. I had, to some reason, I was going to go to Utah. One of the officers had got me lined up there pretty well. I thought I was going to go to, to Utah, but they were, on a, they were on a semester basis. Mm-hmm. Not semester, I mean a tri-semester. So I had about two months from the time I got out in January of 1959 until I'd go to school. In the meantime, I came back to Kansas City and I got called from Missouri and from Kansas. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I thought, well, I might as well talk to them. So I went up to Kansas and, and uh, you know, they had put me in a fraternity house and fixed me up to date. But, you know, normal things they do. Yeah. And I'd already gone to Missouri yet before that. Mm-hmm. And they fixed me over the girl. We were on a, we were on down at the river where everybody brought a keg and all that normal college stuff, you know? Right. And one girl said, uh, I said, well, where else are you thinking about going? And I, I named a few schools. I said, and Missouri. And she said, Missouri? All they do there is drink and party. <laughs> <laughs> well, that didn't sound so bad. Yeah. I already made, made up my mind to go to Missouri. I liked Dan Devine. Tom Fletcher was a coach who really recruited me. Okay. And uh, and I'd already made up my mind I'd go to Missouri. <laughs> but anyway, I thought it was quite interesting when she told me that. Weren't you drinking and partying when she said that all they do is drink and party? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, she had her beer in her hand. <laughs> Didn't see any irony in that, huh? <laughs> So I, I, maybe I'm wrong. I've been looking through old newspaper clippings and everything. I thought I saw after the Orange Bowl. Were you married at that time during the 1960 season? No, I got married in 
in uh, Jan- in June of '61. Okay, so so it was like it looked like was it a girlfriend or fiance kissing you in a picture or something in the newspaper after the Orange Bowl? Would that have been right? And, uh, it wasn't my wife. She was in Chicago at that time. Oh, okay. <laughs> she, she, went to, she went to Stevens. Oh, okay, that that reminds me. Um, I was I was doing a little reading and I saw an article where I guess you'd been interviewed about training for the uh, for the Orange Bowl and down at the Stevens College horse stable. I guess after the season was over, but before the Orange Bowl, um, and you'd said that it was, you said it, it's the quote is it said it's probably the best thing that could have happened. The guys were killing each other because the Stevens girls were standing around the arena watching. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we had we didn't have any on infield place to practice at that time. We would practice at the old Brewer Fieldhouse mm-hmm. sometimes, but but basketball season already started, so we put the floor back down. Right. So we really had no place to practice. Outside in the snow, mm-hmm. and so we went to Stevens, and yeah, it was uh, man, there was there was some blood running there. <laughs> <laughs> Those girls were you know within ten or fifteen feet of us. <laughs> they had a rail, you know, kind of a fence going around the, the arena where they had horses. So yeah, that was <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about Dan Devine. What was he like to play for? I really liked Dan Devine. I mean, I thought he was a good coach. Dan could kind of read a a person's psyche or his, his personality because some guys he would be on their ass all the time you know and some guys he'd praise all the time right. and some guys and that's one of these they just kind of left alone you know I, I mean he didn't he didn't chew my ass he didn't praise my ass he didn't praise yeah. you know and he had the ability to figure out what it took to, to motivate these people I, I always thought that we could have probably done a little better if we threw the ball, but he thought three things three things can happen when you pass, and two of them were bad, so right. he didn't pass very much. Yeah, um, well, and, and Taylor was a short quarterback, too, wasn't he? It was, he was, yeah. yeah, he was a good, good team leader, though. What? Where did he play on defense? I knew he was a quarterback, but I don't know what he did for defense. Well, that was, that was another quirky thing about the rules. Uh, there were a couple positions that they could alternate. Mm-hmm. So he didn't really, he never probably ever played defense. Oh. Jim Johnson would come in and play safety. Was but he... everybody else played, as far as I can remember, just about everybody else played both ways. Okay. But the quarterback didn't have to. That's one of the things that, I think he did, I think they did up until about 57 or 58. And then they, they made it that they could, they could come in and go out one time each quarter. So yeah. the quarterback didn't play very much on defense. Although the second team quarterback usually played safety, and that's and that's Jimmy Jim Johnson was the backup quarterback. Right. Okay. You mentioned Bill Tobin being a friend of yours. I know he was a running back. What did he play defensively? He played the uh, linebacker. Okay. I'm trying to fill these out. I I haven't been able to get a hold of him just yet, but uh, I I was going to ask you too about Jerry Wallach. You mentioned. Uh, I haven't talked to him yet either. He's, uh, I've been told, though, he was the guy who created the Ahab buttons that went around during homecoming with the for the Kansas game. Uh, he may have. Yeah. <laughs> Jerry was another was another Marine. He, he uh, joined the Marine Corps when he got out of high school. Mm-hmm. So, we, you know, we were, we were pretty good friends. There's a picture around there somewhere with both down in a three-point stance wearing a Marine Corps helmet. That's <laughs> all right. And I think, I think his wife was in that picture, too. He was married at the time, also. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. She, she was a Stevens girl. Yeah. 
Yeah. And Jerry and Jim Miles were very, if you talk to Jim Miles or heard his name, he was a fullback on that team. Yeah, I talked to Jim a little bit. Yeah, well, he and Jerry were not only teammates, but they were very bright people. <laughs> they could put people down with a bunch with words that no one ever else had ever even heard before. They <laughs> well, pretty good at that. <laughs> well, Jim ended up becoming an English professor, I think, so that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. The Kansas game that you all lost, I've asked guys questions, but I keep coming up with the same answer. Um, I ask about after the forfeit whether anybody thought that it was unfair they played Burt Cohn or whether they just thought they got beaten. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but everybody seems to say that you know they, they felt they got beat fair and square that game despite the illegal ball player. I agree. Yeah. I mean, it, it's one of those, one of those you know, quirky rules or silly rules or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. But no, I never thought that, that you know. i tell you who took the blame, though. Yeah? Who's that? That was, that was Dan Devine. We worked pretty darn hard that that, uh, that week before. I mean, it, it, we ran a lot, and he, he took full blame and said, I, I think I just wore the, wore the kids down. I wore the, you know, wore the legs out. We ran too much. We scrummaged. We shouldn't have done any of that. That sounds very familiar. I know that you were on the freshman squad the year before, but when they played the Orange Bowl against Georgia, I had read that that the same sort of thing that that they they'd worked real hard, worked the team to the bone the week coming up to the ball game, and that the, some of the folks thought that they were too tired, too worn out by the time the game came up, and that that it didn't help them. I don't know if maybe that's just Dan being the team leader and taking the blame or or not. I think he, you probably just took the blame. I don't, I don't know. I think we should have won that game, but mm-hmm. I mean, not the way we played. But I, 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 you know, if we played again, I think we'll get a, three more times. I think we'd have won two of them. They had a good team. They had a good team with John Hato and, mm-hmm. and the rest of those guys. They had a good team. Somebody, I can't remember who it was. Somebody told me that. They went into that game knowing that your all's big pl- offensive play was that sweep, and that they pre- all they did was practice defending it, and uh, and you know that was their key. They they thought they might get beat in a different way, but if they could stop the sweep, then they could maybe stop you the team. You stop Missouri, and it and I guess it maybe it worked out for them. The one thing I was gonna I wanted to have in the book was that kind of make an argument for the fact that at that time the Associated Press picked the national championship before the bowl games came out and uh and they Hi. they chose Minnesota that year and then Minnesota of course went on to lose the Rose Bowl to Washington and uh and you all played so well against Navy and uh, stopped the Heisman Trophy winner Bellino that um that I I think very high likelihood that if they'd have done a final poll after the bowls like they do now, that they would have picked Missouri as a champion. Do you think that's possible? Yeah, I, I, uh, I brought that up almost two years ago. I was inducted to the Missouri State Hall of Fame down in Springfield. Mm-hmm. And my, my sentence to you, I, I brought that point up that I thought that had it been like today where they rode after the games, we'd have been number one. Do you remember Mel West and Norris Stevenson too much? Certainly do. They nice they sent guys. that's what they sounded like great guys and and perfect men to yeah, be. Were, right? Yeah, to 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 be the first black players with all the burdens that came with that. It sounded like they were perfect guys to handle it. You know. Yeah, of course I I've played with black players in the Marine Corps. You know, in the service ball. So, more than anything new to me. But those two guys were 
I, I got to see, probably Gene Warren, Laura Stevenson, I get Mel. I mean, after that, I never really saw Mel with him, but I would see Norris off and on through the years until until I just passed away. And uh, he was a hell of a guy. Yeah. Really was. Everybody has good things to say about him. And, and I was uh, talking to somebody. Uh, oh, it was Russ Sloan, who was who a little older. He's talking about there were times where restaurants wouldn't serve the black players or hotels would give them trouble and that the team stood together as a unit and wouldn't eat at those restaurants. I think it changed because I don't, I don't, I mean, I, I heard all that before and I heard Norris talk about it, uh, but uh, 1960, it wasn't that way. Or, and Les Van had already figured out where, where he had the buckets, so, mm-hmm. but uh, never had any problems. Yeah. In 1960, all that I know. Okay. Well, it sounds like you were a little. You'd seen a little bit more of the world being in the Marine Corps than than some of the other guys. That when I'd ask about uh, the the Orange Bowl, some of those guys seemed like it was. You know, they had a week to spend in Miami. That it was the first time they had a chance to sort of uh, go fishing out in the ocean and do that sort of thing. Do you do you remember any good memories or stories about being down in Miami for the Orange Bowl itself? I don't know about good stories. I. I mean, all that, all the parties and all that, it was fun. I mean, the parties, it's not like, you know, like party at fraternity house was, you know, they'd have something in a hotel or something, dinner and all that. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, was, it was a good time, that's for certain. Most a lot of the guys I talked to were seniors during that sixty year, but the next year I'd read that, that Missouri had been invited to the Blue Bonnet Bowl, but the team turned that turned that bowl bid down. Is that is that true? Do you remember that? That that is true. Dan let the, the seniors vote on it, and, and the seniors voted uh, not to go. They'd been with the suit that won the two years in a row, and they voted not to go. I, and I don't, you know, it can't happen today. Right. There's too much money involved. But I guess there wasn't that much money involved at the time. There's only like six bowls that I can think of at the time. Yeah. So um, not like today. We played ten games, and that was it. I mean, today they play. You know, like Missouri now is playing almost 14 games a year. So do you know why they decided not to do it? They were just tired or too much going on in the holiday season? Or what What was the rationale for turning down the bowl? Yeah, I don't know. If they, I can't remember talking to any of the seniors because they kind of voted in private. I can't, you know, one like everybody raise their hand that wants to go. So I don't know what the rationale was, but I think they just thought it wasn't that big a deal. They probably wasn't that it was the Orange Bowl again or the Rose Bowl or something, but they didn't think the Super Bowl, which is, I don't know what that year was, maybe the second year or third year of the Bluebonnet uh, Bowl. They may have thought it just wasn't that big a deal. So <laughs> yeah. they'd rather stay home. I, I don't know. I mean, it, it just can't happen today. Yeah. It's too much money. Yeah, different time. You, have you talked to Carl Crawford? Uh, no, I have not. Well, he was a, he was a senior. I was a sophomore. He has a good memory for all this kind of stuff because he tried to get our class, which would be the classes, you know, where your sophomores that year, he went through all the years of Missouri football from 1892 or whenever it started up until today, and he did it by class. Right. So like our class started in 59, got out in 63. Mm-hmm. That class won more games percentage-wise than any team in Missouri history. Yeah. And he kept track of all this, and, he's, and it, so he's a good guy to, to probably come up with something because he got a little upset a couple of years ago. He, he thought that that team should be in the Missouri Hall of Fame and or at least recognized on the field like they do so many other things, you know? Right. And I'm not sure who told him, but 
at that time, they told him, we're too busy to fool with them. We're, uh, we're in the SEC now. we got too many things going on. <laughs> I kind of pissed him off. Well, another thing you may not know is that I graduated G-O-O-D-E. Mm-hmm. He graduated in 83, 83, 84. Played on the war in powers. You mean all-American tackle, mm-hmm. offensive tackle and guard. Anyway, that's my son. Yeah, I did know that. Yeah, I... Uh... Looking up everybody, I, I was going to ask you about that. Uh, I, I saw that you're probably the only one on this team. I don't know, probably not very many people who, who father and son have both played on the same football program in, for Missouri, I would imagine. Do you know of anybody else? Who's yeah, had- uh, I'm, sure there's, I'm sure there's some, but I don't know if there's any that, that both made All-American. But- yeah. <laughs> so tell me, what year were you All-American? 62. So that would have been your senior. 83, I believe. Okay. So 62 was your senior year, right? 62 was my senior year, yes. Did Missouri have any other All-Americans that year? No. Okay. That's great. So I'm excited about this, and I appreciate you spending a little time talking to me. And Do you get back to Columbia very often? Yeah. I, I, I didn't as much this year, but uh, up until this year, guys, I used to, a friend of mine that has a full tickets up in the Tiger Lounge. We used to came almost every game uh, up until last year or two. It seems like something's always coming up. Did yeah. go to the uh, Vanderbilt for the Vanderbilt when John Cadillac died. Yeah. Yeah, we came down to the field and stayed for the game, and then stayed for the and came down uh, the last game. Okay. Went to this year. Okay. Did you uh, did you know Cadillac pretty well? Yeah, I did. I know he, he was uh, he was there when I first got there, but but uh, then he went to Kansas State with with uh, Weaver. Oh, did he? So then I didn't really check up on him again until he came back to Missouri. Okay. He's a, he was a hell of a guy. Yeah, several of the seniors mentioned that he re- he was one of the guys who recruited him back when uh, Frank Broyles was coaching that one year. So many stories about him, it's just unbelievable. <laughs> Joe Casiglione, the AD down at Oklahoma now, they introduced John Cadillac and inducted him into the Hall of Fame down at Springfield a few years ago, and... and Joe was real close to him, and Joe was talking about direction from John Cadillac like, was like this. We were going someplace to talk to somebody, and Cadillac would say, now, if you go down here and, and take a left, and there's a place to eat there, the best steak you ever had in your mouth. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's, and, and, but if, you don't, if you're not hungry yet, we're going down about a mile and a half <laughs> and take a left, and my God, there's a, there's a diner there. That <laughs> <laughs> I believe our good old hamburgers are. And Joe said, every place we went, you know, the whole time I was AD, and he was my assistant, whatever, whatever it was called. That's the direction that I always get going someplace. So you got to take a left turn at Dolly's Diner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a, he's, it seems like about everybody in Columbia knew, knew John some way or fashion, and, every, and he's, he's come up a lot in people's stories, too. So, uh, He's a good guy. And then everybody knew him from the radio, too, you know. Yeah. All right, thanks again. I very much appreciate okay. it. Enjoy talking to you. Yeah, have a, have a very happy holidays. Same to you. All right, goodbye. Bye. That was All-American Conrad Hitchler back in November of 2014, who passed away Monday at age 79. Thanks for listening. M-I-Z. M-I-Z.